G'day and welcome to episode 53 Five of the Blow Pod. Three. Thank you, GJ, <laughs> for providing the captions. <laughs> Even the hand gestures Five, I know. as well. We need, to, we need to make this a video podcast. So no, we don't. Appreciate no, we don't. No, we don't. There's some things you can't understand. Yeah, you might actually have to put some pants on, which yeah. I, for one, would welcome. So, yeah, video <laughs> podcast. Come on, make it happen. No. So, 53. Ashley McIntosh, 1991. We're running out of numbers on. Yeah. We really are. Really? Although we can say uh, Wildcats captain Damian Martin, 53. There it is. Who'd have thought he'd be able to move on from his cricket career and just segue directly into basketball like that? That's exactly right. The Shadow. Marto. <laughs> the Shadow. The Shadow, yeah. Is he back yet? Yep, he's, he's back. He's back in, in fine form at the moment. Yeah. yeah. 7-0, I believe. 7-0, yes. Just broken the record. Playing a very exciting brand of basketball Which as well. Is, and somewhat surprising, really, when you consider the coach left. But, but uh, I mean, the two American imports are, are probably too good for this league, to be perfect honest. It's one of the... Uh, well, James Ennis, yeah. who was drafted last year by the Miami Heat. Yeah. Who they're keeping That's a very right, close yeah. eye on him. Yeah. Jermaine Beal is... Um, he's a combo guard who's basically taken Kevin Lish's role, but he's actually a better all-round player than Lish's. Mm. And it shows... Which is saying a lot, because Lish was... Well, Lish was an MVP, MVP last yeah. year, wasn't so, he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the so thing. So your comment about them being too good for the league sort of... Yeah, no, <laughs> I think that's... There. Um, yeah, it's certainly... The case and yeah, they're playing a uh, a faster up tempo style of basketball, which is much more attractive to watch than the uh, the defensive slugfest that mm. uh, Wildcats fans have been putting up with the last two to three years. So, yeah. and I mean, well, I saw New Zealand lost by a point to Adelaide yes. yesterday, and, and I think one other six. Yeah, and so uh, I mean, yeah, you'd have to say right now, is there anyone who's going to title uh, challenge the Wildcats for Adelaide, the title? Adelaide are a chance. Yeah, I think the Wildcats have one week which is size. Um, Tom Jervis has been surprisingly good for a guy who's never played before, but Adelaide are probably the team best equipped to, to take them on with Shensher and Daniel Johnson. Mm. Um, teams that are big will give the Wildcats a bit of trouble throughout the year. Considering but, uh, Adelaide have long been their bogey side anyway. That doesn't help. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah so I, I'd say it's, it's looking pretty good at the moment. Mm. Um, well, I mean, you'd want to be if you're, when you're 7-0. Oh. <laughs> the, the problem being that, you know, in Invariably, injury hits Martin and Knight at various stages. Knight's mm. already been off injured, so hopefully he plays the rest of the year now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Martin always seems to cop some kind of random injury throughout the course of the year. That's so, the way. Yeah. Well, as someone who woke up with a strained Achilles tendon two days yeah, ago, he's right. been hobbling around I was ever say, since. Uh, we're not quite the walking dead here, but we're certainly the walking wounded, <laughs> you could say. Uh, yeah. You're hobbling around with an Achilles problem and my left hips flared up, so... Uh, I did actually, when I was walking around at work yesterday, I did sort of think I should start incorporating some sort of... <laughs> brains! Brains! <laughs> Uh, just to so, see how the marketing girls would react to that. Yeah, exactly. William knows what I'm yeah, talking about. As soon as I mentioned the marketing girls, William wanted yeah. William fires up. He, he knows the score. The apple doesn't fall yeah. apart from the tree, doesn't <laughs> So, look, let's... Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the whole country is uh, looking forward to this Thursday. Well, perhaps looking forward is the wrong term. Dreading for some of us who know a fair bit about cricket, but... 
this Thursday. We're getting ready to do it all over again. Well, you're dreading it purely because it looks like oh, Mitchell Johnson's. It looks. It looks, it looks like it, it is. Yeah. So, so just can I? I just want to put something on the record. I picked James Fortner over Mitchell Johnson a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. There you go. I've said it. I feel better. I want to put something on the record. I picked GJ over Mitchell Johnson a hundred times out of a hundred. There, I said it. I my left arm quick's not overly quick yeah. these days. Yeah, but as long as you bowl with your left arm, you'll have a chance. Mate. Well, I do. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so how, how do we want to do this? Shall we jump straight in with predictions, or shall we? I'm going to ask you. I'm actually going to ask you some questions. All right, I, 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 and I'll you know get you to answer them. I think that the first one is: if Australia were to win this series, who's going to be the, the person who jumps up from out of nowhere to do it? Well, I said it in the last series, and I'll say it again this series. Ryan Harris needs to you know take have a Terry Alderman style Ashes, um, and one of the main reasons I'm worried is because I think in the last series he bowled exceptionally well. He had an outstanding series, and that was uh, that equated to England winning three nil. Um, <laughs> so I, I think he, he, he's definitely the key, um, particularly if you're going to be taking a punt on uh, talentless left arm hacks such as Mitchell Johnson. Um, Harris is the key. I actually think... He's a predictable choice, so I want you to go a little bit left to centre. No, I think then Steve Smith would need to stand up and perhaps make three centuries in the series. That's a good call. That that would be my... Of all the guys who are sort of on the fringes, just starting out, so your Smiths, your Fortners, your Hughes, your Kawajas, all those sorts of players, um, I think he is the potential batting wild card for us, um, mm. who made a very, very good century in the in the last test over in England. Um, that six he hit to bring it up, that was probably, along with Rogers' century, I thought was probably the high point of the series for Australians. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Rhino's wickets, of course. But um, I think, I'm not mentioning Agar's 99, because he shouldn't have been over there. Um, <laughs> a 98, yeah, that too. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if we're to have a big series and any chance of winning, then, yeah, it'll be Steve Smith with sort of three centuries, two or three centuries. Yeah, and I think the other one's probably Nathan Lyon. I want to throw his name forward. Will he get picked for five tests? We might not, but, mm. I mean, if he demands to get picked for five tests, you'd have to think that... Uh, uh, that something's yeah, actually gone wrong. He spins right. the ball in, mate. Yeah. He doesn't spin the ball away from from right handers. And God knows that means everything. Yeah, because I've meant so much when uh, England's two openers are going to be left handers, doesn't yeah. it? But um, again, sore point. <laughs> No, I mean, look, I think that he's the... I think that hopefully the selectors have now realised that he's the best speed bowler by a pretty reasonable margin. Mm. And they uh, and they stay with that yep. throughout. And, you know, if he can play Swan to a draw, the Aussies have a chance. Yeah. If he can play Swan to a draw, it'd be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I say, I mean, I'm not sure how this goes with the questions you're wanting to ask, but I might stay up front. Yeah. My pessimism for this series is at an all-time high. I actually think England will win four. Um, and I think the reason for that is because in the last series, so many things went our way and so many boxes got ticked mm. and we came so close to winning the first test, to you know having the best of a washed out test. You know, Ryan Harris bowled, bowled the lights out over there and despite all that, we still lost 3-0. Um, and I think no England batsman with the exception of Ian Bell really dominated. Um, and basically, I just can't see all those things going right for us again. 
So I think it's only natural that this result will actually be more emphatic. And I also think that the um, the conditions actually suit England more in Australia than they do in England because I think once their batsmen get in on these pitches, the Jonathan Trotts and your Alistair Cooks, they're going to be incredibly hard to dislodge, whereas in England you're always more of a chance with the overcast conditions and the way the ball behaves over there. I think you're always more of a chance of of running through the English batting order, whereas over here I'm afraid I, I just... With the exception of Rhino, I just can't see how we're going to take 20 wickets in a match. Yeah, look, I mean, that's, that's, that was actually going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and can Australia take 20 wickets on a consistent basis? Mm. So I, have, I have my doubts about that as well. Uh, and, you know, the point you made about uh, Cook and Trot in particular, they were they, they virtually didn't fire a shot no. during the last... Trot in particular was during very, very years. average. And, um, and we've managed to um, play them into form uh, in the tour matches and the warm-ups over here, I think pretty much every England batsman now has, has made, if not a century, and has made an 80-odd or a, a decent total. So they all look in very good nick. Um, their bowlers, that's another issue. I mean, Anderson, Broad and Swan pick themselves. I'll yeah. turn the tables here and ask you a question. If you had to pick your, your uh, English bowling attack, who'd be your, the, your third seamer along with those ones? It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I don't think it is. I actually know exactly who it is. I'd actually pick Boyd Rankin. Mm, okay. Now, the reason for that is, is you know, I just think that there's going to be a couple of pitches, Perth in particular, mm. that is really going to help the tall guy who, who gets that steep bounce off of a good leg. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to uh, I hate to dread to uh, see what the 7'2 Pakistani ever did over here. Oh, yeah. Played. I mean, he'd be pitching them off a good length and he'd be whistling by guy's ears. Mm. But there'd be a few badgings, I reckon. Yeah. Um, I, w- I think that he's he's worth them, them sticking with. I mean, they're, they're, I think that that's probably a little bit too bold for them. They've been pretty conservative with regards to their to their selections, and justifiably mm. so, given how well, not just their before. selections. They've been conservative in regards to everything. Mm. I think. But he'd be my pick. Well, I, I, I'm going Chris Tremlett because I think in the last series over here, particularly in the in the, I mean, you know, I remember in the Wacker test match, Huss just hooked him into oblivion but everyone else, he really troubled mm. with his pace and his bounce and I think on the Brisbane and the Perth wickets in particular he is someone who, I mean I haven't seen much of Rankin mm. Finn for me is just too inconsistent, yeah, he I'll... doesn't bowl enough good deliveries that make the batsman play whereas the one thing I liked about Tremlett is that for a tall guy he, he knows when to use the bouncer but he also knows when to pitch the ball up I think. Mm. Well I mean that was the, I was quickly rattling through who they brought down here and I was, basically I was not fit. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, and it's a line, I think it's a line ball call between the other two. They're very yeah. similar. Rankin's a little bit taller and... Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Is that right? I thought they were both 203 actually. Yeah, well, I, I, can't, I just remember looking at Rankin and thinking, geez, he's a big boy. Yeah, no, but Tremlett, so, I think Tremlett's um, the same, so... I mean, it... Yeah. To be honest, they're in a very, very good position in that three of their four bowlers absolutely picked themselves. I was going to say, you and could argue is a really good man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, in James Anderson, you have probably behind Dale Stain, the guy who is 
the second best fast bowler in the world in terms of the last few years of performance. Um, I always think Ryan Harris is second only to stay in Winfit. Um, but in terms of the results they've achieved and the impact they have played in terms of shaping the results of their team, yeah. I think um, Anderson is an incredibly, incredibly gifted bowler. And the important thing is is that he has had a lot of success on the previous tour now, so he will take a lot of confidence from that. Yeah. Um, and in broad, you have someone who's capable of these just these bursts, um, which can just change a match completely. I mean, he roughed up Michael Clark um, in the last series over there, which I I don't think anyone had really done that before in terms of a fast bowler. Um, and he just seems capable of flicking a switch and just suddenly picking up three or four wickets in a hurry and, and turning the course of a match. I just want to know if he's learned how to walk here. <laughs> Jeez, you're playing that card, are you? Yeah. I don't blame him at he's all for the, that. The, I blame the, the umpire who, well, he had the, he had who the, somehow he missed that catch. He had those ridiculous boots that, you know, used to take him ten minutes to tie up his shoelaces and... But they're not, made, they're not made for walking. Yeah, is that what you're do, yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> These boots aren't made for yeah, walking. That's right. They look, they've lost the ability to walk at various points throughout. So yeah. um, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, in those two, you've got a new ball attack that rivals any, any in the world. Yeah. Um, and then you've got. And I'd expect Broad to be more successful here than he was in England as well. Mm. Is that, um, you know, for the similar reasons that I look. A, you know, you look at a Rankin and a Tramwood, it's You know, they've come here with a very, very clear philosophy with their selections, which is we're going to dish out something back to the Australians. Yeah. As much as I hate to say it, that's why Johnson is going to be such a critical component because if you get the the Mitchell Johnson that turns up once a year in Perth on mm. a little bit more regular basis, it could be a little bit interesting because I mean, his, yeah, his speed and the way that he delivers the ball. If he's if he's generating some steep bounce, we might see a few English batsmen jumping around a little bit. Let, let's discuss this. I I have a lifelong hatred of Johnson, which stems from a number of a number of years of subpar performance as our key bowler. Which I think he was the single factor which drove our slide down the world rankings. Um, I think the the whole saga in 2009, the, the bickering with his mum, him admitting later he was expecting to be dropped, um, the the way in which it torpedoed Phil Hughes in that he was dropped mm-hmm. essentially to pick Johnson for that second test, a couple of tests after scoring two centuries in a match against South Africa. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of our decline rests rests on his shoulders, on his on his uh, low front arm, perhaps. Yeah. And I, th- I well, hold him responsible for a lot I thought, of... I thought Ricky Ponting's comment to. about him in his autobiography was, was quite enlightening. I don't know if you've seen the quote. No, I haven't. Is that he basically said, I've never seen a more gifted cricketer have so little confidence in their own abilities. Mm. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, is a, it's an interesting take. Look, I just hope that DK Lilly's flying around with him everywhere, because yeah. if he is... But I mean, we might we we might stand a chance here. We're yet to figure out how to sort him out. I mean, the other the other big mark against him was that I was once at the Wacker Ground where he, he turned around and started arguing with people who were heckling him in the crowd. And I just remember sitting there going, I have never seen that before. A guy is out there playing for his country and he's he's dignifying the responses of some drunken halfwits from the crowd. He, you know, he's, yeah, he's dignifying the comments from some drunken halfwits in the crowd with a response. He's turning around and arguing, going, oh, I'll meet you in the nets after the game and all this bullshit like that. And I just well, remember sitting there, there thinking, just... 
How about you show some of that fire when you're bowling to the um, opposition batsman? Well, I mean, at that stage of his career, if you're meeting him in the nets, I reckon you'd be pretty safe because he'd be no chance of hitting you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think he just... Yeah, he infuriates me like no other cricketer ever has. And I think a lot of my pessimism stems from the fact that I just cannot believe that he is going to perform because he's let Australia down so many times before. As you say, he's sort of come to the party once a year. You know, his South Africa tour, the the Wacker Test match here last summer in the first innings where he just ripped through their top order. For someone who has that ability to only demonstrate it in these completely... Well, I mean, the reality is, is that if you're a good team, you can you can genuinely carry one guy like that. But part no, of, I part don't of, think you can when no, he's a key I'm bowler. Say, I'm just going to say, let me. I'll finish my yeah. point. Part of the reason why there's a decline is, is that I, I view him, Shane Watson, and Brad Haddon almost in that same bucket. We're expecting three of these guys, yeah, to who are who are flaky at best, who you would generally only carry one of, yeah. in a team. And we've got three, and they're three. Not only are they three senior players, they're three important players in the setup. Yeah, and yeah, not surprisingly, it doesn't work. <laughs> I think as a bowler in particular, and as well, he used to. Call him, we used to call him the leader of the attack who came on first change. I mean, don't get me started on that bullshit. Mm. But I think as a bowler, when you're only picking three seamers, you know, if oh. one of them's misfiring, you're okay. already well given, and truly behind yeah, the eight given, ball. Given that he's, a, he's almost a dead set certainty to play in his first test, if you're mm. in Clark, how are, you, how are you using him? Well, you have to give him the new ball. Yeah. Him and Rhino. You, you, I mean, Ryan Harris is going to get the new ball come hell or high water. Even if he's not playing, he might get the new ball. But I think if you look at Siddle and Johnson in terms of what they offer with the new ball versus what they offer with the old ball, yeah. I think it's it's a bit similar to when they picked Sean Tate for that ill-fated test against India. You have to give him the new ball. If he's going to be in the side, then that's the role he has to play. There's no use throwing in the ball first change and asking him to do something then. He needs to be swinging that ball and taking wickets while it's new and while it's still cherry ripe. So, yeah, you'll give Rhino the first over um, and obviously I'd still give Harris the, the you know the pick of the bowling conditions. You know if the winds if the winds if the winds blowing into him, then sorry you give Johnson the first over. But basically you have to give Rhino every opportunity. Mm. But Johnson has to be coming from the other end. Mm. Um, and look, I think we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot from his first spell because I think he has the potential to have a Harmison-esque implosion on the first morning and basically set the tone for the entire series. Where if he suddenly if the planets align and he mystically starts swinging that ball back in mm. then then game on yeah we've got a series yeah well but as I say I can't say but anything. I mean tactically is it is it long spells is it short spurts oh, I think you use him to rough the batsman up yeah. and then hope that Harrison Siddle I mean this is why I think someone like Jackson Bird is actually incredibly important when he's fit because I think what he does is he ties up an end and he stops the runs being scored mm. and I don't think any other bowler in our team really does that at the moment, even Nathan Lyon he's, he leaks too many runs, I think it's important to have someone like that so that you can give Johnson the ball from the other end and tell him to go nuts mm. um, but yeah, I, I think it, it also depends how he bowls too because I think if he starts swinging that ball in, mm. then, then yeah then you're not going to want to prize the ball out of his hands until he's, you know, mm. bowled himself into the dirt, but if he's erratic then you want to say, alright f- forget line and length, forget pitching it up forget bowling it in good areas, just try and break a few hairs.
hands and then, yeah. you know... I, think that it's exa- I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, with regards to that, I'll bowl him in short spurts because without his pace, like, much like Brett Lee, without his pace, he's nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a pretty fair assessment, is, is that he's he's got to be the guy who's going to badge the, the pommy batsman. He's yeah. going to be the one who's putting it up there and hitting, hitting as you say, hitting a few hands. Yeah. Hopefully ra- hitting a few helmets as well. Yeah. And um, So, yeah, I mean... I hope he proves me wrong, but the yeah, last I mean, well, the last six years suggest he won't. I think the tie-up situation is why Watson's injury is so critical because he's one guy who actually can dry up and end. Yeah, yeah, that's very true actually, and he did that in England to great yeah. effect. There were a number of spells he'd bowl where you'd see him sort of eight overs, four maidens, none for ten. Mm. So not necessarily taking wickets, but just drying up the scoring options yeah. and potentially helping the bowlers at the other end mm. to take wickets. So. I mean, I think that that's the important thing is that his his fitness is a is a critical component with regards to. Uh, yeah. So thanks a lot, James Sutherland, for putting Johnson on a plane home, but leaving Watson over there. Yeah. I mean. Can we talk about yeah, that I mean, for a yeah, second? It's yes, ridiculous. It's your most your most injury prone player, who's also your most important. Why did you keep him there? It, yeah. it was. It, oh, look, I I'm going to ask a bigger question. What Why the, the fuck were you doing it? over there in the first place? Well, I mean, to yeah. be honest, we should have just sent a B grade team over there. Yeah. You know, I know that's probably not what the Indians want, but so be it. Who gives a shit what the yeah, Indians no. want? And this is the problem. We're kowtowing to them. We've yeah. agreed to this yeah. seven seven game one day series shoehorned in between Ashes series. And, I mean, for the sake of what? A few million dollars. On yeah, this. that's all it is. And James Sutherland, his legacy will be, doesn't matter if the team's gone to shit as long as the bottom line's looking okay. Mm. That's the legacy of the man. And this, the idiotic decision to name the team nine days out from the first test, exactly as they did the last time England toured, with a round of shield matches still to go, and just quietly one P. Hughes making a lazy double century in said round... I mean, the only reason they do it is so they can have a public relations circle jerk when they're announcing the squad. I mean, who fucking gives a shit? Well, if I'm not mistaken, like, didn't they pick a squad bigger than England's se- squad last year? Yeah, time? 17 players last year, as Gideon Haig said when he was covering the event, after they they went on and on and on and on and on, and then once they were finally finished, you could have heard a piano drop. Uh. And then like, the four Australian cricketers that, weren't in, that were playing at the moment that weren't in the squad were quite gutted to yeah. find out they weren't making it. But yeah, yeah. I, I just think it, this desire to create a public relations event, you know, a marketing uh, event at the naming of the squad, nine days out from the test, is, is just stupid. It really is. And... I find it so galling that they did it last time and were just universally panned for it. It was such a stupid decision mm. and then decided to do it again the next time. Mm. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It, it, it just... James Sutherland is singularly responsible for so much of what's wrong with Australian cricket right now. Mm. And that was another example. Anyway, I'm going to jump to the other side. Now, Shane Warne's come out and criticised Alistair oh, Cook's God. captaincy. Fair or foul? Oh, foul, of course foul. I mean, what he just has this bee in his bonnet about aggressive captaincy. He was harping on about it for the entire series last last summer. Well, English summer. As Cookie's team was sweeping all before them in a 3-0 victory, all he could keep crapping on about in the com box was aggressive captaincy and Cook needs to be more aggressive. Well, no, he fucking doesn't. Yeah. He does not. A, a captain is judged by his results and as much as, you know, you crack a heart on every time Michael 
Park puts a leg slip in. The fact is, he's lost the Ashes 3-0. So you can't very well sit back there and say, oh, he's out, Captain Cook. Well, if he had Shane, then we'd be holding the little urn right now, not England. Mm. And him and Ciappelli, between the two of them, I mean, this fanboy adoration of Michael Clark and his captaincy and which extends to Ciappelli coming out and saying oh we shouldn't be picking Bailey as far as I can tell because that might be seen as a threat to the golden boy having another captaincy contender in the in the change rooms with him I mean Ciappelli just gets these he has these hatreds of players like he had the same thing for Steve Waugh he had a similar thing for Matthew Hayden as well as Hayden came out and said he just gets on these players who, who have I think slighted his chosen ones like Shane Warne and uh, and Michael Clark and just rips into them at every opportunity he can. From memory, Chappelle wasn't a big Damian Martin fan either. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, so I think no. Well, you, you, can't, you can't listen to anything Shane Warne has to say no. anymore. And he's coming out and saying, oh, Ponting's jealous of Clark. That's yeah. why he's bad-mouthing the autobiography. Well, how about you being jealous of Ponting, Shane, because he got given the captaincy and you didn't. And then he basically came out and said the exact same thing about Clark a few days later. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that... Yeah. I mean, if Dementia's finally set in on it's, SK Ward. Well, perhaps maybe, it's all maybe, the Botox treatments. Yeah, the, yeah, the peroxide's finally seeped yeah. through his brain, mm. into his brain, maybe. But, I mean, look, I, there's more to... I think that this is the thing that SK Warren is missing. There's more to captaincy than what you do on the field, is that it's very, very clear that the English team, during Cook's reign, has been an incredibly unified mm. force, both on and off the field. I mean, the first thing Cook did as captain was bring KP back into the fold, which yeah. was incredibly crucial to them. Yeah. I mean, in terms of a game changer, we talked about Stuart Broad and his aggressive bowling spells. Oh. KP is the one batsman that we still need to fear above all others because he can come out and he can turn a game on his head in a session. He's very much sort of the Adam Gilchrist style batsman. Oh. If he's switched on and everything is clicking for him, then it doesn't matter whether he's on an Indian dust bowl on which no one else is making any runs or if he's on a flat Adelaide Oval track that looks like a road. If he comes out and he it's his day mm. then he will take a test away from a team single handedly yep. and I think the fact that he was offside with the the regime um, I don't know you know to what extent Andrew Strauss was responsible for that but perhaps didn't play as I guess conciliatory a role as, as um, Cook then did mm. um, because I think bringing KP back into the fold and having well KP has since gone on to break the, the record for the number of centuries by an English and all sorts of other things and he, he won uh, Crick and Foe's innings of the year for that uh, innings in India that I mentioned last year um, I think the biggest tick that you have to give Cook is that rather than KP potentially disappearing into the sunset never to be heard from again mm. he has ensured that KP is very much a linchpin of that side and a talisman for them as well yeah as I say that's a critical component to that and look you know to be honest being aggressive is a little bit overrated it's invariably you have to be aggressive when you're behind the eight ball. Mm. So if you're in the dominant position in a game, is there a motivation for yeah. you to be aggressive? I mean, Graham that's the reality of... like that all the time yeah. when they're in front. He just grinds his opponents into the dirt. There's yeah. nothing aggressive or, you know, flamboyant, I guess, about it. But, yeah, but it's, it's just clinical and effective and yeah. it gets the job done. That's and as I say, you judge them by the results. And that's right. Win-loss record is the, uh, yeah. I think, the best kind of... Uh, and perhaps that's why Shane Warne doesn't like it is because his nemesis Steve Waugh has the greatest win-loss record of all time. Mm. Perhaps that's why he uh, prefers aggressive captaincy. Uh. 
Well, he'd argue that Steve Waugh has that record because he had Shane Warne, oh, but... Yeah, whatever. I know, there's a, there's a big boy who took 500-plus wickets that wasn't yeah. too bad either. Yeah, you know? not to mention the greatest wicketkeeper batsman of all time. Yeah. Let's not go there. Semantic. Um, not relevant. So, GJ, from your perspective then, did you want to predict the the result I mean I say 4-0 with a bit of trepidation because and mainly because I think I've predicted England 3-1 in the last two series now don't want to go 3-1 again but I think you know if we are going to beat them it's obviously going to be over here in Perth I mean Mike Brearley's the only English captain to have ever won a test I I was thinking probably Mm 3-1 Brisbane draw a result in Adelaide Australia winning here Swan spinning them to a winning in Adelaide and then winning in Melbourne and Sydney yeah. yeah, I mean the Melbourne and Sydney, the one-two punch at the end of the series, you'd say they're going to be the hardest and ones yeah, I mean, to win. You know, having said that, you know, if the Aussies momentum is a is a wonderful thing yeah. too. Is that if they if the Aussies manage to have a very good test in Brisbane, the Gabatois, yep. yeah, um, you know, haven't haven't lost up there since 1989. I mean, mm. if they they have a good test up there, I mean, they did concede one for 517 last time, so you can right. say that sort of counts as a loss, but. Yeah. yeah, but um, hearing lights the the point. Mm. You eke out a win up there, or you you know you have the better side of the game, and yeah. it's a draw, and you get some momentum through the through the games there. And particularly with how compressed this series is too. I mean, there's yeah. no long break between tests mm. really. Once we're into it, it's sort of yeah. just there's no. I think in England there was like a couple of weeks off between one or two of but, the tests. I mean, my my concern is the twenty wickets is a legitimate concern, but my concern is more about how can we make enough runs to ensure that we get the chance to take yeah. 20 wickets yeah. is that um, that's you know that's my biggest issue and you know there's a lot of we talk I mean we've talked about Watson Haddon and Johnson being these wildly inconsistent figures and you've got Dave Warner at the top of the innings mm-hmm. who's exactly the same as well is that we're trying to build this team of X-factor players who are, are going to strike gold individually probably once during the series but thing, yeah. you know can we build a partnership can we build, you know, can we get these partnerships of mm. 200, 250 that you need in order to set these totals that give the which bowlers something enough. to work Yeah, with? which will be enough for so, Cook and Trot to not yeah. just chase it down. And that's the thing is, I mean, I, I don't think that it's a problem with regards to, to them getting 20 wickets. I think if we were bowling first, we could get 20 wickets easily mm. enough. My issue is that if we weren't bowling, you know, if we're batting first, are we going to be making enough runs to give them the opportunity yeah, to take right. 20 wickets? Reference Boxing Day last time I were yeah, here. Exactly. That's that's a that's more my I guess my issue, my concern. So Smith is a, a really good person to, to point out as to jump up. Bailey's gonna be critical as well. Mm. Uh, but see I don't view him as critical because I think if he doesn't fire then you can pick Faulkner, then you can pick Doolan, you know. Yeah. It's it's more and I mean I'm to be honest, I'm disappointed Doolan didn't get a run. Mm. I'd I'd like I to think, see him sort well, of get sort of introduced to test cricket at number six with a view long term to grooming him for the number three spot similar to what they did with Ponting well, I think the reality is with Bailey's is that they're, they're doing a little bit of hedging there's kind of two issues there the first one yeah. being if they don't pick him now they were never going to pick him yeah. and secondly the question marks still with regards to Clark if his back seizes up or A if his back seizes up the day before the test but yeah. also B does he still truly have everybody on board 
building that dressing room. What, what do you mean, still? Well, <laughs> he, he hasn't yet. <laughs> no, but I'm saying to give them yeah. that another option yep. down the track. So, I mean, I can understand why they did that. So In a perverse sort of way, I almost hope it, it brings out the best in Michael Clark. Sort of yeah. having that captaincy contender and someone else in the room with him, I hope it, it goes out. he goes out there and sort of has something to prove. Mm. You know, perhaps that will spur him on this series, which sounds like a terrible thing to say, sort of doing it to spite the other captaincy contender in the change rooms, but hopefully in some way I that mean, can help, yeah. It would be great if Pike averaged 50 for the series and he wasn't Australia's leading run scorer. Yeah. That would be that would be great. And I, I'd like, you know, and if that happens, we'd be a real shot at winning this. Yeah. But I just don't see that happening. I, I, I argue we don't see either of those elements happening. Mm. I don't think he'll average more than 50, and I'm not sure who's in, whoever's in the team at the moment. I'm not quite sure who the person is that's going to score more runs than he's. Yeah. So yeah, I, well, the bowling is definitely our strength, but the the reality is, is that the batting is their strength, and their weakness is better than our weakness. That's true, but I mean, in terms of the bowling is our strength as well. I think that's also very much Ryan Harris. If Harris goes down injured, then we're suddenly yeah. significantly underdone in terms of bowlers. I think um, if we've got yeah, an attack, say with considering all the injuries, if we've yeah, got an attack, right. say Johnson, Siddle, Cutting, and Lyon. Then, I mean, yeah, as I say, Ryan Harris is really the single most important player in this series. And that's both because of how brilliant he can be, but also because of how injury prone he is and how easy it will be. I mean, he's the kind of guy. He's the hardest, I think, out of all, you know, possibly with the exception of Clark, to be honest, he's probably the most irreplaceable guy on either team. Mm. And I'd say including Clark, really. I think no one else is going to come in and, and pose that same threat that he does, I think. And, I mean, it comes down to the nature of the, the beast as well. You, you always need to take 20 wickets to win a match. Even if Clark scores a 1,000 yeah. runs, it doesn't guarantee the results. So. Oh, that's absolutely yeah. right. It's the, the easiest way to win a test match is to make sure that you can take 20 wickets. Yes, yeah. well, yeah, the only way to win a test match. <laughs> well. Oh, unless someone fares, yeah. Unless you're acquiring yeah. a few spotty declarations. Yeah, Kanye yeah. style. <laughs> yeah, so, well, there we have it. Um, yeah. I think... Part of the series prediction. Oh. Go ahead on a whim here. I'm gonna... I'll go Jonathan Trott, just because I think we're poking the bear mm. in saying, oh, he doesn't know how to play the short ball, you know, he's not good enough, he had a rubbish series last time. I think on Australian pitches, if Trott gets in, he's going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult to dislodge. Mm. So I'll say he is, and he's probably, you know, a left, left of centre sort of choice. Um, a fair if, choice, sir. Yeah, if it wasn't him, then then the other, I guess, obvious one, considering I'm thinking England will win, then I'll say um, James Anderson, purely yeah. because he'll take a lot of wickets with the new ball. Anderson would be my pick. I could see him absolutely tormenting our top order. Yeah, um, and middle. <laughs> and tail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a lot. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could very easily see Anderson taking 35 wickets in the series. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if Harris negates Anderson, that could be a key. Is yeah. sort of the two the two strike bowlers from each team. Yeah. I think the fortunes of the relative sides hinge very much on how those two perform. Mm, mm, yeah. So. Alrighty, yeah. so Dan's going four nil. I'm going three one. one. I'm being yeah. a little bit more ambitious, I think. Yeah. I, look, I can I can see us winning Perth. Um, yeah. You know, Mitchell Johnson for some reason always seems to turn up in Perth. Yep. And um, I just think that the, the extra bounce over here might catch them. Oh, and also um, just the the mental. Th- as I say, I mean, England have only ever won. 
one one test yeah. in Perth. So. so I mean, it's a shame that we're not playing them up. We're not playing them here first up because it could have been could be a very different yeah. series if that was the case. But well, Alan Border often said the first the team who dominates the first morning of the first day will go on to dominate the series. Well, so. he said the first hour the other day, which I thought yeah, was very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I think England in two thousand and five definitely proved that in yeah. two thousand and six seven Harmison sort of. <laughs> proved that for Australia, yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I will certainly be there first thing Thursday morning to um, to take it all in. Yeah. It is, it's a strange combination of excitement and trepidation at the moment, because yeah. as I say, I, the start of any test summer is always Look, brilliant, but I just worry that we are going to get wiped this, like a dirty ass. Yeah, this, the scary thing is is that I, I see that as an 80% likelihood, but there is a chance. You know? well, there's there's, there's could, always a chance. I mean, if, if one of our top order batsmen makes another 20 runs in that first test over there, then we're up 1-0, then we're going to Lords, where the Johnson debacle in 09 is Side. We've got an, a, a, a massive winning streak going back to Headley's, uh, uh, the Verities match back in the 30s. Mm. Um, you know, I think, it, it do, as I say, it does hinge on how both teams start. Mm. Um, because if if Australia, if the Gabatoir can live up to its name and we can get some blood on the walls early, to use the Gabatoir yeah. <laughs> uh, imagery, that. yeah, <laughs> then, um, you know, then you never know. You never know what can happen. But unfortunately, I think this English side is drilled enough and clinical enough and let's face it they're just a better team Um, I think they will win quite comfortably and there you have it so that pretty much wraps it up for yeah. episode 53. There you go. I'm, I'm slightly depressed after going through all that, but... Yeah. Uh, it's not good, is it? No. We might uh, start getting stuck into some alcohol over on this on this end, so yeah. we hope you're doing the same on your end yes, listening exactly to us. Right. It probably makes us sound far more intelligible. Say, I was going to say, it's probably good preparation for, yeah, it's for the long road ahead, yeah. <laughs> Substance abuse is the only way to get through. Uh, and on that inspiring note... Yeah, I think I'm going to say later, skaters. Later, hoses. <laughs>